you learn something new every day. I am Joan Boyko, Coordinator of Communications and Community Outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are proud to present a new podcast each week that focuses on the people, programs, projects, and activities here in the district. This show, of course, is produced by my dedicated student interns here in the Digital Arts Technology Academy, also known as DATA, at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Bryce Johnson, and though our interns are officially graduated, Brianna Mesa and Emily Martin, they're still working hard. And as you all know, we record a little bit in advance. So ladies, thank you, thank you for your stellar work throughout this past year and uh, wish you the best of success in college. And today I'm very pleased to welcome the principal of James Workman Middle School, Ms. Vicki Chavez, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. Absolutely. I'm glad we're finally getting to this. You know, I was going to say the new principal, James Workman, and yes, you're still new because I consider people new for at least the first year, but you've been here for the better part of this school year, right? How long? Uh, actually, my official day was December 20th. So I've given, you know, winter break and what have you. It's been just over it's been about three months now. Well, that's true. And well, we're, we're, uh, the show's airing June 19th. We're recording a little, little in advance, but, um, so we'll, we'll say you have about six months under your belt and take away the vacations and we're probably at four or maybe five. I'll so take that. You're still new. And for those who have not had the opportunity to meet you yet, how, um, where have, did you come here from and what did you do? So I come to Palm Springs from Moreno Valley Unified uh, Student Services Department, where I was a coordinator of culture and climate for 38 schools. Prior to that, I was a principal and, um, you know, spending time in student services, I did absolutely miss being at a school site, and especially in light of, you know, schools returning and all of the needs that our students and our staff members brought with them. So I was eager to get back to a site and do what I love doing. Was that, I don't know if you know, our assistant superintendent of human resources, Tony Signore, was in Moreno Valley for a blink or two. It wasn't for very long, but I thought, did he have your position or no? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I know it was something in having to, or maybe it was with uh, bilingual, you know, English learners. I, I don't remember, but he was at the, he was at the district office. And honestly, he came back home after realizing, eh, you know, wasn't the best move and he, he missed it here. And, you know, he's been with Palm Springs Unified his whole career. Minus another blip when he went to Desert Sands for a little while. So we're happy to have him back and um, and we're happy to have you join our team. And you, you came in um, to replace Brad Sauer, who has a long history at the school. So um, that, that probably was a bit of feeling like wow, big shoes to fill, because I know he is very, very beloved. And I'm glad that um, I'm not 
saying that he's left us. He's here at the district office now, and he's the director of Certificated Human Resources. But what was that like coming in after our principal with such history? Well, when I first learned of his history and how the just in consideration of the fact that the school has been open what, since 1995 and I may be the fourth principal, third or fourth principal, that's unheard of. And so it speaks volumes to the district's dedication to, um, you know, James Workman and, and um, you know, maintaining uh, consistency. And so coming in, knowing that Brad had been here for so long for serving as an assistant principal and a principal, I was a bit intimidated, I'm not going to lie. Um, and then getting to meet Brad and talk to Brad, I was, uh, he really talked me uh, down, kind of eased my concerns. Um, and one thing that I did, I did say, especially, uh, want to emphasize that I, I said this in my uh, introduction at the board meeting when I was appointed. I said, um, I've got big feel, big shoes to fill. I know that. Um, I know that Mr. Sauer is, is um, very beloved here and he brought the school to great places. And I want to, um, you know, keep keep on that trajectory. And so he did a beautiful job giving me a nice warm handoff letting me spend some time with the students and staff here and so it was like a gradual release that that we did and so i think that made things much easier for everyone we don't we don't always have the luxury of being able to do that when we have somebody new join the team especially if they're coming from outside the district and it was really nice that in this in this instance, we were able to do that because um, he was, you know, he actually started being director of certificated human resources while he was still there. And so <laughs> before you came aboard, so it was even a longer transition. And I don't know how he managed to do both jobs, but I know they probably cut him a little slack in HR, like while he was still running the school. Um, you also have a, you have a staff that there's not a whole lot of turnover at that school, if I'm correct. That's correct. That's correct. So that's, that's probably, you know, um, a great thing in some ways. And in some ways coming in as a newbie and having a staff that's been here for a long time at the school, it's probably like, you know, walking a tightrope a little bit kind of easing into the the transition and has that been going well it's been going very well like i said i think that the fact that um mr sauer was able to do a nice warm handoff and um introduce me uh to the staff uh it was it was i think a bit more it was better received by the staff that there would be a change in administration and um you know, I have taken a lot of time. I've actually, I'm still in the process of having introduction meetings with every staff member. I'm committed to hearing um, about them. And so we have these meetings. Um, I have them probably, sometimes they go back to back to back to back. And it's good. But I say, I want to I wanna know about you organically, or if you can't think Let's do a three, two, one. Tell me three things about you 
two things, two concerns that you have and one expectation that you have of me. And it's been very consistent. And so, um, again, I think that just one, being able to have that nice smooth transition uh, with with Brad and um, and taking the time to get to know the staff is really helping with, uh, you know, that that concern that I did have with regards to a very seasoned staff. It's been good. I never heard of that, the three, two, one. I like that a lot. That's three key questions where you can really get to know a lot about somebody without them having to figure out what they're going to say. You ask them direct questions that could really be, you know, I, I mean, it's very telling. So I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down and keep that in mind in case anybody ever asked me. Not that I'm an ever in, I'm not an educator, although after 22 years in the district, I feel like I am. Um, people ask me very strange things sometimes, and they, they think that I'm the person to go to because I say, always come to me. I'll tell you where to go. And I'll be nice about it most of the time, unless you're rude to me. <laughs> but um, I like that a lot. Um, what made you decide to come to Palm Springs? Well, you know, I, um, I was really getting, I'm going to say, uh, I told you my heart was really being at a school site again after spending time um, in student services. Um, I, I actually left the principalship to take the position in student services because I had, um, had the, been able to lead some great programs and move two schools out of program improvement or CSI with two amazing staffs. And so um, with that experience, I thought, gosh, I wanna go and I wanna have a bigger impact, right? So I went to student services and um, after a while, especially again, after this year, I thought, you know what? My heart is really, really at a school site. So, um, you know, just going through Ed Join, I thought, you know what, I saw this position and I will share, I'm not ashamed to say I am a woman of faith. And um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to apply. And if it's meant to be, then that's where I'm going to be. And so it was, it was meant to be. And everything was just, let me say, everything was just so aligned because the work that I had done both as a, as a student services administrator and as a former principal uh, was really in alignment with the next steps for, um, for James Workman. So um, also to that, to that end, to specifically why Palm Springs, well, um, you know, I've a friend who was a, at the time a principal here and, and, um, you know, I was kind of, asking about the district and they they shared well you know it's a great district and um i have friends who have come from here have worked here or know of palm springs and they just said what a, what a great place it is and i i have to share in all honesty that i have never been so welcomed and so supported um as i have been in, in the short time that i've been here in palm springs so it's been wonderful I'm really, I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad to hear that because you certainly didn't have the typical experience when um, coming into the district because we were still dealing with, you know, 
keeping our distances and not doing in-person meetings and, um, and still wearing masks. And of course, you know, you started in December and then lo and behold, we come back from winter break and things were worse again. And we were like, oh no, not again. And thankfully it wasn't as bad as the first time in, in longevity, though it was as bad with the number of cases. It was, it was pretty horrible for a few weeks there. Scary stuff. But so I'm glad to hear that you still felt the love, even though it wasn't like, you know, you, you getting to meet a whole lot of people in person right off the bat. So that's, that's really good to hear. And what, what would you say, what are your, your overarching goals for the, for the students, for the staff, for the school? Well, um, as I shared, I know that Brad had done some great things here. And, um, you know, at a point we talked about what he envisioned. So I actually sat with him and I asked him, what are some things that, um, if you'd stayed here, what are some things that you would have done? And so we talked about those things and they're exactly what I, um, what I shared I would do. And so it's, I'm about, um, first off, the students and the students' well-being. So really focusing on social emotional learning and positive behavioral interventions and supports and bringing a, a, a tiered, um, a multi-tiered system of support or MTSS um, program here to James Workman to meet the needs of all students and really focus on those, you know, students that have tiers two and three needs because we want to make sure that we're we're just really serving the whole child, not just focusing on the academics, right? Because if we don't focus on the whole child, then the academics won't come. Um, we are sending about eight teachers to the AVID conference this year as we move, um, you know, in the direction of um, more focused electives, college and career ready electives, and so um, AVID is another. Um, new program that that I'm going to be bringing over next year and really just um, you know the district is moving toward universal design for learning or UDL where students engage in the learning process they don't just um, you know go through it um, go through the motions that it's hands-on learning and so I want to bring some um, STEAM activities and science, technology, um, engineering, arts, and mathematics together and just allow the teachers the opportunity to remove themselves as a sage on the stage, right? And move toward being the facilitators of learning, just being those learning coaches. So, um, so that's, what I, that's what I have plans for. We're gonna do a lot of work in collaboration with one another. Um, getting teachers to move into other classrooms and see what's what's going on. So I'm really excited, and and so are they. After talking to so many of them, they feel it's um, what I keep saying is is breathing new life into into the building, right? And and I think everyone is is especially coming back from you know pandemic and and having COVID hit not just us in a health sense, but also educationally, um, we're ready for uh, some, some action. It's, uh, it's, it's been an evolution in general, like what you're speaking about, about the, the sage on the stage versus the students being involved in the process. It's kind of 
it's been evolving, I think, since, since the um, wave of technology, where when that first started happening, the kids knew more than the adults did. And they, they probably still do. Um, but, you know, I just recall when we took our first technology survey, and it's probably going back, I'm going to say 15 years or so, maybe even more. Time goes so quickly, you know. Um, and it was scary because um, the bulk of the staff had very little knowledge and they also had very little interest in climbing aboard and, you know, moving us forward into that realm of technology. And so those that did take the leap and got trained, became trainer of trainers, it started happening. And then those that still weren't interested, had no choice. When we moved into distance learning, it was like, hey, if you still want to be in this profession, you're going to have to step up and get the training and do this. And still in all, the kids knew more. And I think that that, that kind of, um, and again, I'm not in the trenches, but just what I've seen and heard, that that kind of um, increased that kind of collaboration and teamwork and, you know, uh, working together versus I'm the professional and you just listen to me, you know, because, and, and the more engaged, we all know this, the more engaged kids are, the more successful they're going to be. And so that's really good to hear. And, and traditionally, uh, as I said, I've been here 22 years. James Workman is one of the schools that almost is always closed to transfers because everybody wants to go there. So I, eventually you, we have to say, sorry, we can't take any more students at this school. We're an open enrollment district. And so unless the schools fill to capacity, and again, it doesn't happen that often, but it seems like it happens um, very typically at Workman. Why do you think that is? Well, Workman has a great reputation just by virtue of the fact that um, there is very little um, overturn in in staffing in administration, uh, you know, parents want that consistency. They want that reliability for their students, and um, and who could blame them, right? It is it is a great place to be, and um, you know that that's I think that's just the bottom line. Is there's no very, very little turnover. So. Right. So coming out of COVID, what, what do you feel are the biggest challenges for your students and staff right now? So um, just as I, as I was sharing when I was in my position in um, Moreno Valley and as of April of 2020, when you know this was all just fresh upon us, uh, I was really focused on the behavioral and mental health needs of our students. So social emotional learning is, is um, critical for, for staff and students. We have to be, um, we have to have, grant each other grace. And when I say that, I mean staff and students alike because we have had um, people who we've lost people, right? We have students that have been at home for a year and a half or a year and, you know, almost a year and a half um, with little to no interaction except for 
a screen, right? And um, and some of the things that we've seen on the screens or electronically, uh, you know, parents, because parents have to work, they maybe weren't able to monitor what, what students were doing. So we're having to um, do a little support, if you will, in, in those areas. And, um, and there's a lot of fear. There is a lot of fear still of, you know, of getting sick. Um, we have students that when, one thing that we're, I, I really um, have been trying to make parents aware of is the dangers of social media. It's a great thing. It's a great tool, but it can also um, have some wreak some havoc. And so we've got a lot of students that, because they were able to do it at home, maybe they were sharing posts or they were looking at things online uh, that were harmful to their their mental health. And so we're having to work with many of those students. And while I say, you know, 85, 90% of our students are doing well, they're adjusting well in light of, you know, coming out of a pandemic, we still have a number of students and staff members that, that need a little TLC still, so. Mm -hmm. And um, I would assume that uh, Moreno Valley does not have what we have in terms of mental health services a full mental health department it is that that's pretty unique is did did they have that there we actually did we called it the oh. eric center right and so um so it was the uh we did have arms you know for students with ieps and then we had um therapists and interns who served our students uh i oversaw the general ed um, mental health services and behavior um, support services for students. So at uh, tiers two and three is where I did a lot of work. And so coming here in January when no one else was um, you know, in the office, I went through um, uh, behavior reports, referral reports, and I started identifying those students that um, needed a little support. So I met with Laura Musil, our director of student services, who's amazing, and um, shared with me all of the um, resources that we have, which were great because those were the resources that I oversaw in Moreno Valley. So um, programs like Daybreak, which is an online um, mental health service, Care Solace, which is a mental health concierge. So we um, link um, stakeholders, I'm not going to say just students, but it's parents, it's staff members, and community members, students who need mental health services. Um, so we use Daybreak, we use Care Solace, um, we have our own mental health, like you shared, we have our own therapists here in the district, we've got behaviorists, uh, we've got Tanisha Taylor, who is our PIS coordinator. So I, I really felt like, okay, I now can, uh, you know, put these use these um, these wonderful resources to support our staff and students. And um, and it's it's helping. It's helping. It's you know, it's a little bit difficult to try to make a lot of movement in, you know, two and a half or three months, but um, but we are linking um, stakeholders with the supports that they need. 
That's great to hear. Really great to hear. And just um, just as an aside, I found it very interesting when I started going back out to school sites after the mask mandate was lifted in um, in mid March, and was expecting that and. Um, secondary, especially high schools and middle schools as well, that most of the students would remove their masks. And at the elementary level, they would be wearing them because their parents would tell them to. And what I found and talking to my colleagues, it was the complete opposite. I went to Ranch Mirage High School and was doing some mock interviews and asked the, the coordinator, masks, no masks? And he said, it's up to you, you know, they're optional. And so I said, okay, well, I'm gonna take the lead from the kids and the students walked in and every single one of them, and it was a full class, was wearing masks. And I asked my group of three, you know, like, is somebody saying to you that you should wear a mask or, and they said, no, we just feel more comfortable and we're just gonna continue to wear them for a while. And so what have you found at your site? Exactly what you said, exactly what you said. Um, my husband is a PE teacher in Moreno Valley, actually. We had, had we had this conversation when it was lifted, although they didn't have to wear them at PE because they were outdoors anyway. Um, he did have a number of them wearing them. And so I, I do find that. And so when uh, I've had a couple of conversations with, with students, spe specifically girls, uh, who are going through, you know, the, um, the, the uh, they're recognizing um, their physical differences from other girls. And um, many girls have shared with me, I'm not ready to take my mask off. They feel that they don't look the same that they did. Um, or uh, so in, in not all, but many of the conversations that I've had with students, specifically girls, um, it breaks my heart, but I have to remind them that you are beautiful with or without your mask. And um, I, I love to see your smile when you're ready to show me your smile. And, and I say that just because, I mean, I do respect everyone's wishes with regards to, you know, health concerns. Um, but I also don't want for our girls to, our students all together to feel like they're, they're hiding behind a mask because they are less than beautiful. You know, I never thought of that. I was thinking that the concern was about health, that the, that the older kids are more aware and, you know, and that, that conscious of it and they don't want to take chances. And never, Vicki, did I consider that part of it and that that's big now that you brought it up i mean that is really big and especially since they've been wearing masks for the better part of two years and some they their faces may not have even been seen by some of the kids they've been with since the beginning of middle school and so that's that's really interesting wow that's a whole other it's a whole other aspect of this mask thing like, you know, you don't want to lose the mask because it's kind of like a, a protection. I, wow. A different kind of protection, not health. Right. It, um, I may, I'm sorry, get a little yeah. emotional about it because, um, you know, I, I can't tell you, I, I, again, it's not all of our students, but, but it's, 
it it's enough to make you you know think about about what we need to do for those students um i have one little boy that actually has worn his so long he has a tan line and so he said well i don't want to take it off until my tan line goes away wow. so on on monday i got to see his face and he's a little bit of a tan line which i'd never i'd never tell him but, but you could see that he definitely had one <laughs> So interesting. So, but before we run out of time, there is going to be one big change starting um, when we begin school, and that is about start times. So, what? How does that affect your um, schedule at so Workman? So we are starting, um, you know, an hour later, um, per you know, governor's orders. And that's going to extend our day, of course. Um, you know, it, it it is what it is. I think we're going to continue to do great things. I can share with you in my experience of having gone through a time change at a former site. We still had students that were tardy. <laughs> so, you know, it just means you get to stay up an hour later. And, and so, you know, there's really not a big adjustment, but for us, uh, you know, we'll, we're hoping that maybe we can possibly, I don't want to say this too soon, but possibly, you know, provide um, a morning program for students who might come a little bit early. Excellent. And I hope that the intention of this law is actually realized, which is that especially our high school kids are going to get more sleep. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. Remains to be seen. We will be taking a look next year, see how it goes, and then review it. Vicki, thank you so much for being here. We will have you back at some point to give us an update. Thank you, Joe. It was great to be here. Thanks for joining us. If you learn something new every day, a new podcast is uploaded each week. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Brianna and Emily, and we will see you next week.